So like we've been teasing to start this podcast, we have a, a very special guest joining us. We had to do a little bit of work to get this going, but we're happy to be here. Uh, our special guest, of course, ESPN's Jay Williams. He's a, currently a college basketball analyst for ESPN, works with our game day program, and obviously one of the best college hoops players of all time at Duke, and then a great player in the NBA for the Bulls. Jay, thanks for, for joining us here. A couple of things. I think I'm a, I'm a basketball host. I look at basketball as one pure vertical now. Everything kind of blends into the other. And secondly, it's not every day that a dude slides up into my DMs who's a little bit relentless, so I appreciate you really pushing it. Um, because you guys are really cool, so I'm excited to be here. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. So just a little backstory on how this all happened. Uh, <laughs> so we're, I'm waking up just late, super tired in the hotel room uh, Saturday morning, and I go through Twitter. I see Jay puts out there. He's, he's calling people. Just Is that like a political moves. correct way of saying you're a little bit hungover, too? No? No. no. Okay. Oh. No, no. No, I'm not, not of age. age. Oh, okay. 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 All right. Sorry. Not of age. Oh, okay. All right. I, was, I, I was, take that back. I retract that statement. There we go. All yeah. right. I was drinking chocolate milk all night long. Got crazy. <laughs> but uh, see the tweet coming through. He's calling people, and I'm like, you know what? My Twitter's known for shooting my shot. We're talking Zendaya, any other hoop guys, Dickie V, you know, all the people shoot my shot. So love that you put Zendaya and Dickie V in the same breath, by the way. That's about yeah. the same thing to me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but slide my number out there, and next thing you know, I'm getting a call, and we're talking MSU hoops, and man says he'd love to come on the show, and I was like, oh, bet. I will be in the DMs. We're talking multiple messages, getting the timing right, and uh, here we are in the Hyatt Regency in a conference room. We might get kicked out of doing this. So this is a... Uh, this is great, and I'm excited to do this. So obviously we're going to talk some basketball. And before getting into the Final Four and everything like that, I do want to ask you about this entire tournament. And a lot of people have said this has been a, a super boring march. Uh, a hmm. lot of chalk, a lot of just the big teams making it, no upsets, no buzzer beaters. I want to know how do you feel about this year's tournament, especially compared to the tournaments of last year where 16 wins. Well, I'm able to compartmentalize it because I think I look at it in two different ways. The basketball purist in me, I like seeing great teams continue to deliver. Um, But I also think that the marketability of the game, it's challenging because the national attention that garners from your Loyola Chicago's or some of these Cinderella's or some of the biggest names that we have in the game, let's address the elephant in the room, like Zion Williamson, not having Zion Williamson here. um, You know, people get mad because ESPN has pushed – Zion Williamson all year, but you tell me, how do you not push that? How do you not push somebody who uh, has a true shooting percentage of 68%? There's one of four players in the last 50 years to do that, um, and he's spe- a spectacular talent. So, yes, the basketball pure side of me loves it because you get a chance to see both these teams, even though the scoring isn't prolific, it's very efficient. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I love watching schematically how that works out between Chris Beard and Tony Bennett or Izzo and Bruce Pearl being here. Um, but then as far as the attractiveness, the exciting part of the game, I, I feel like that is missing a little bit. And that's going to be fascinating to see what happens in 2022 when the one-and-done rule changes. Um, will people, from a national attention perspective, pay attention to the purest of basketball when you don't have those names that you can really cling on to and become household names. Like, let's be frank, like I also deal with a lot of people who jump into different, you know, NCAA tournament pools. And we talk about hoops for four and a half months before we get here, okay? I mean, October, November, December, January, February, I mean, five, right? And then all of a sudden people are like, well, wait, who's on what team? Who's? And I'm like, you don't know who's on, you know, Texas Tech? Like, you don't know who Jarrett Culver is? But then I have to take a step back and realize that, okay, 
you know, we went through college football playoffs, like people were into college football. Then we transitioned from that into NFL playoffs and then the Super Bowl. And then it's okay. Then we're at all-star break and all-star break. And, you know, now people, what's happening with the NBA? And then some March gets here and be like, wait, March Madness, I got to get my pool together. So recognizing that makes that challenging for me on the, on the latter part of it. But um, I also love watching the game continue to get better. So. Awesome. And then a big thing about this tournament, I want to ask you, because you had the, you've had the opportunity to play as a player and then get to watch all these tournaments. Do you have a favorite tournament moment, first as a player and then just watching all these now? Yeah, my favorite tournament moment is actually going to be, it's, it's not a great time in my life, but re- retrospectively looking at it, it was just awesome. Um, it came in the first possession of the Final Four game we had um, against Maryland. And we had competed with Maryland back in 2000, you know, the 2000s, like our rivalry was not North Carolina. We used to smack North Carolina. Um, it, was, it was Maryland. It was Steve Blake and, and Juan Dixon and company and Chris Wilcox and Lonnie Baxter and those guys. So I remember that NCAA tournament, I was, Julian, I was so hot. Like I, It's a feeling that I can't describe. It didn't matter what shot I put up. For some reason, it was going in. Like this was literally the first four games of the tournament. I think it was averaging like, you know, 29 points. It was close to 50% from the field, something like that. I was just hot, right? It was like Carson Edwards. Yes, yes, fantasy leagues. I get it. Um, (laughs) Joking with you. Like Carson Edwards, right, type numbers. And I remember we we drew up a play, and it was one of the first possessions of the game against Maryland, and I caught the ball. Like on, uh, if you're facing the basket uh, here, like, and it's on the left side, the three-point line extended from the left elbow. I remember I was turning into my shot off a curl, and I'm going up, and I see the rim, right? And as I see the rim, then I take into account, like, where the defender is and all this other stuff because I was able to multitask and then go back to the rim. So I'm looking at the rim. I go up, and I see the defender coming from my left side. So I kind of, you know, edge off a little bit to the right. And as I look back to find the rim, I cannot find the rim. Like, I cannot find the rim because we were playing in the dome, which is different than U.S. Bank Stadium, right? And there was the backdrop. You saw, like, literally 20,000 people. But the distance between where the stand started as opposed to a regular gym was drastically different. It was exponentially maybe like 100 yards away, right? So that backdrop creates a depth perception. Mm-hmm. So I went from, yeah, being one of the hottest guys in the tournament to my first shot being like, just please hit the rim. Do not embarrass yourself on national TV. Um, so, yeah, I would say that would be one of my best parts of, of playing in it. And then I've also I paid attention to the tournament forever, man. I would go back to UCLA days with Tyus Edney. Making that shot with like you know four and a half seconds, getting the ball all the way down the court. Obviously seeing UCLA prevail, um, but I've had so many. I have the best job ever, man. I get paid great money to watch hoops every day. The wife comes downstairs and she's like, "Can you help out with the baby?" I'm like, "Hun, I got two games going on TVs. I have to work right now. This is where I have to work. It's the best excuse ever. It works all the time." So. I'm a very good position. That's great. That's the goal we're trying to get to right now. We are we are at the spot where we don't get paid. We yes. just watch basketball and write essays while doing it. <laughs> because you're student broadcasters. We are student broadcasters. You got to say that first. As student broadcasters. Student athletes, student broadcasters. That's that's right. But so the final four ends up shaking out to Virginia versus Auburn, MSU versus Texas Tech, and I want to focus obviously first on that MSU Texas Tech game. And the biggest thing coming into this one was the talk about this Texas Tech defense. And they are the number one defense in the country. They play it very differently than anyone else in the country. And I think you have a very unique perspective as a former player. So when you watch the game, you kind of see it differently than us Mm -hmm. couch potatoes who sit there and are like, I could easily take this to the rim right here. 
And so for you, you got to look at this Texas Tech team. What is it about their defense, defense that's really so different and so hard to kind of attack? Well, it wasn't until a couple of years ago that the Golden State Warriors started to win games with their positionless style that that started to be imitated on the collegiate level. And I think Chris Beard has always kind of prioritized his defense on having those that versatility. So, number one, they switch positions one through five. And they do a really good job of shrinking the court. I don't know if you know what I mean when I say that. Do you? I think it's so. okay. You're if you making it for the listeners. For the listeners. For the listeners. For the listeners. So what I, what I mean by shrinking the court, so prime example, if I'm guarding Cassius Winston and Nick War comes and sets a screen on me, uh, Tariq Owens and I will switch. Mm-hmm. So now I'm six foot, I'm guarding Nick Ward. There's no way in hell that I should be able to guard Nick Ward. So what Chris Beard teaches is he's taught to front. So I play in front of Nick Ward, right? I kind of mm-hmm. like sit on his lap and I kind of face him. And the other player from the weak side comes over and puts one foot in the paint and one foot not in the paint. He's straddling the line. Mm-hmm. This, we, this means if you try to throw the pass over the top, he's in position from the weak side to come get the steal over the top, right? So it makes you question that pass. That's what I mean by shrinking the court. So, number one, they do that extremely well. Number two, the one thing that would hinder Michigan State, and we talked about it, the year that they have had has been crazy, man. Like, you guys have lost Joshua Langford. Like, Arns is not there. He's not fully healthy. He couldn't stay healthy. Like, you know, Henry getting into foul trouble makes it different. Mm-hmm. So the one person that can literally be the spark plug for your offense is Cassius. He's the one guy that literally I think he accounted for like 67% of your team's points in the, the Elite Eight game because it's either off his passing or off his scoring. So if you're a coach and you're like, okay, we're going to blitz him on every ball screen, we're going to keep him on one side of the floor, and they call it something called downing ball screens is what we do in the league all the time. So a lot of times in college, you know, you'll come down the court and, you're like, you know, Cash is able to go wherever he wants to go with the ball. So you saw in their game, uh, in the Elite Eight game, he was able to come off a screen and then turn around and then use that same screen on the rescreen, right? Yeah. Well, Texas Tech doesn't even let you get to the screen in the first place. They'll play in the high side of you and force you down, and that big who's guarding the big won't be up trying to hedge the screen. He's going to sit back in the paint and say, come on, Cassius. You have no other place to go but here. So you take Cash out of the situation, who else on Michigan State can beat you? Who can make plays? Um, and I thought that was going to be a major issue for them. And it, it proved out that Texas Tech was a team. But I will say this about, Texas, uh, about Michigan State. The scary thing is you guys have everybody coming back next year. And uh, getting Joshua Langford and, and, and team to be on the same page, uh, that's a team that can win a championship because they'll have more than just one threat. Yeah, that's one thing that we thought was really clear when going through it was that they forced Michigan State to rely on the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. And you, that's why you end up seeing Matt McQuaid dribble the basketball, pound it into the court for most of those possessions because that's what they wanted to happen. I hear you, but Matt McQuaid, man, I mean, dude, look, there's, there's some guys you see play on TV, and then when I see it in person, I feel it. I'm like, oh, my, he's so tight. Like, I would see him in practice. I'm like, he's so bouncy. He's loose. He looks like he's having fun. And something about when he got in games, he was tight. We saw a different Matt McQuaid during this tournament, man. We saw a dude who was, like, a little bit more free of mind, free of spirit, didn't think about, I just missed my last shot. How is that going to, you know, translate into my next play? Like, I saw him be careless, and you need somewhat of a careless attitude while still valuing the ball and possessions in order to let yourself go. I, I think that's something really big for him to pick up on for next year. That's one thing that 
I, I do want to ask you about because that's an interesting kind of psychological thing as a basketball player. At one point, do you kind of gain that? Because I think this team only has two seniors with McQuaid and Goins and a lot of freshmen who kind of have to learn that now. Is there is this like a point where you start to learn that for next year, or when does that kind of click? It clicks for everybody at different times, man. I mean, I, I wish it clicked sooner for Matt. Um, because the kid has all the talent in the world. And, I mean, obviously, look, even for Kenny, how about that shot he made against Duke, right? Like, the first time he took that shot, Zion Williamson was like 10 feet off him, yeah. and he got it blocked. I, you know, I, think, I don't think fans really understand that, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're playing with somebody that's physically a freak like that, how does that not factor in to your next shot? It's like playing pickup, right? I was joking around. I go and I play pickup basketball all the time, and I'm, I'm literally on one leg. And I was like 44 in this pickup league in, in, in New York. And people were like, well, how, how do you do that? And I remember some guy was guarding me. And I literally, I, I know how to drive. I use my shoulders. I went to drive. And he was a little bit quicker than me, but I just dipped my shoulder a little bit. And I know how to hit you. So I dipped my shoulder, and I put my shoulder literally into his chest. And I heard him go, <gasps> right? I knocked the wind out of him. So think about this. The next play, I go to do the same thing. Guess what he does? He naturally backs off. He doesn't want to be hit again. So if you're Kenny Goings, you get your shot blocked. Don't think for one second as a fan that the next time you're open, you're being open for a reason now. It's psychological. Like, do you have the same audacity just to shoot the same shot with the same confidence, knowing that I blocked you the last time? So it takes a lot of courage into taking shots like that. So you hope that certain guys can pick up on it. Um, But everybody, as far as a player, happens in your own time. And a big thing for us as watching the game and something that we've talked about a lot is to us it seemed maybe – a little lack of an injury, a step slow for Michigan State coming into this game and especially coming out of the halftime. I mean, it was a two-point game at halftime, and they come out and Texas Tech goes in a very large run and kind of springs the game open in their favor. For you, did you see that same thing, that lack of energy, maybe even that lack of adjustments coming out of halftime? You know how hard it is to win six games in a row, man? <laughs> like um, all the fans out there, if you ever go play pickup, okay, I want you to challenge yourself, even if the game is to 11. Game is to 11. Any fan listening to this, play hard for all 11 points. Like, don't casually play and stand around, or when somebody's dribbling the ball, just kind of stand there and throw your hand up like, hey, I'm open. Or if somebody else has the ball defensively, you're in the corner. Like, no, like, actually, if somebody else has the ball on the opposite side of court, like, sit in the middle lane, talk the whole time, slide back and forth, make sure your defensive player knows. Like, you know how tiring that is to think through each and every possession of a game when you're going through battles in order to win? So, yeah, you are tired, man. And how about this? How about Matt Mooney beat you guys? Like, he scored 22 points. It's not like Matt Mooney's been the guy dropping 25 a game. It's like Jarrett Culver or some other players, you know? Like, so, like, I'm not saying that Matt Mooney isn't good, but, like, they had more, they had more variety of options yeah. than you guys did offensively. Um, and I think that's what you – like, look, the team that we went on in 2001, man, we were down 22 points. 22 points. Now, I played on a team with Mike Dunleavy, who was the third pick in the draft, Shane Battier, who was the third pick in the draft, Boozer – perennial all-star Chris Duhon to play 10 years in the league. I was the second pick in the draft. But if we don't have other options, if Mike Dunleavy doesn't go off like four threes in that ball game, we don't win that game in the championship game. So there's an element of luck. I mean, look how Virginia's here. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, there's, I don't care. It, it happens all the time. There's that one game where it's some kind of luck that has to bounce your way in order for you to be here. And it just felt like at the end of the day, Cash not being able to do what he's normally able to do. Like, and I'll say this for him, too, because he's probably going to put his name into the draft. I love watching Cassius Winston. But Cassius Winston needs to work on his body. Like he needs to take the game psychologically and physically to a different level where he can't afford to ever be tired. 
Now, that's a lot of responsibility, but that comes with the name being Cassius Winston for Michigan State. Boom. You, you hit on that for me. That was my next question. And sticking with players potentially going into the league, I want to take a look at Nick Ward because he is a guy who tested the NBA waters a season ago, got told he needed to Should work on some things. Again. Should not test again. Should not team? test again in your Should not test He needs to come back to school. To come back. I, I, I see Nick mm-hmm. Ward. I see it a, a lot of baby fat on his body. And I'm not saying that players can't come into the league and work on their body. But if you think anything, and look, I, I do business with, you know, partners with Kevin Durant and 35 Ventures and what we're doing with the ballroom, and I'm a big fan of the NBA, covering the playoffs all the time for Get Up. When, when you look at the, the style of the game and the pace of the game, it's hard to have players that you have to wait for to get down the court. And I, I'm not saying that Nick Ward isn't – he's not the fastest, but mm-hmm. he, he's not slow, but he's not fast. So for guys like that that want to, you know, playoff time, yeah, are you going to pick Nick Ward on DeMarcus Cousins? You know, Nick Ward guard DeMarcus Cousins? You know, let, you know, Nick Ward guard some of the other best bigs in the league, Joel Embiid, Al Horford? Like, if you look at their bodies and you look at their skill set for Nick, like, Nick still can't shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Like, I would still love to see him this offseason. Going into my sophomore year, man, I made 1,000 shots a day. I made 1,000 shots. I didn't take 1,000 shots. Made. Made. So I think sometimes kids say they want to work, but then when it comes time to put that effort in the gym, I'm not saying they, they don't want to do it. It's just they don't understand how long it takes to do it. So if Nick Ward can bring back that game next year where he turns around, he faces you, he can knock down a 15-footer. He can beat you down the court. He can come out on screens and hedge and then come back. Or, you know, he doesn't look tired when he's sometime on the block. Like, even that last game, like, how, how are you stopping Nick Ward from getting the ball? If Nick Ward really wanted to get the ball, who the hell on earth can stop Nick Ward from getting the ball? Like, he got outworked. And I think if you're a scout, you have to pay attention to that. So I would love to see Nick Ward come back to school and put this team in the same situation they were this year, but then be mentally stronger and physically more conditioned now that they understand what it takes to be here and to sustain that type of excellence. Yeah. And then what about Xavier Tillman? He's getting some buzz right now, and I think he has a, a unique skill set that transfers to the NBA. He can switch one through five, and we've seen it multiple times where – he'll get the switch on a, a perimeter player, whether it be Xavier Simpson in the Big Ten or even Zion, and he may not be a, the fastest to keep up, but he knows how to angle his body to stay within reach and be able to recover for block shots. I think he's one of those guys that he, he needs to test it. He needs mm-hmm. to see what his feedback would be from GMs. Uh, remember, you know, you only get two times to test it, right? And the second time you go in, you can't come back. So I, I, I feel like for him it will be good. And, look, I will say this. A lot of times it's about the league is about getting in where you fit in. I'll never forget the story. We're doing USA basketball, and Ben Wallace is playing on the team. And I come up the screen with Ben Wallace, and I kick him the ball, and he's wide open. It's like a 10-footer. I'm like, shoot it. And he passes me the ball back, and we end up having to play down. Like Reggie Miller takes a shot in the corner or something, and it's the next time out. I'm like, man, you got to shoot the ball. Ben, he's like, I do not shoot. I do not shoot. I screen, I rebound, and I fight. And I'm like, oh, Okay, that's – and then after the game, you hear that in the game. I'm like, all right. And then it's like, well, wait, that's how Ben Wiles got paid $60 million. He wasn't trying to do something he couldn't do. He just did what he did really, really, really well. He actually hit dudes on screen. He actually fought you for offensive rebounds. He actually talked defensively and was everywhere taking charges. Like, that's a commodity. If you can understand, that's who you need to be. Mm-hmm. So if Xavier Tillman is willing to be that type of player while his offensive game continues to bloom, then there's a chance. But that depends upon fit and where you do get drafted. Yeah, and 
We've talked a lot about MSU. Last hit on them real fast. For you, you look at this season. A lot of injuries make it all the way to the Final Four. A lot of over, it's an overachievement. They made it this far. Who the hell can be disappointed at the exactly. season that you guys have? If any Michigan State fan is, is disappointed, <laughs> shame on you. Tell them. Shame Tell on them. you, seriously. Like, it, just not injuries. I mean, look at all the stuff that's happened with, with the university, first off, to deal with that, with Tom to deal with that. I've known Tom for a long time. The fact that we live in an age now where anything small is going to be blown out of proportion because a new cycle is what it is. You talk about everything. Uh, you know, I've been quoted on TV before saying, you know, I have a daughter, she's six months. If I ever have a son and he can play basketball, he could play for Tom Izzo, hands down. I will want Tom Izzo to mold my son to be a second father figure to my child. I would trust in him that much. So everything that this team has dealt with as far as injuries and just the entire season, the fact that – we did, we did game day. I was at Michigan State where you guys lost to Indiana. To Indiana. Like, my wife is from Indiana. Like, I was talking so much <laughs> trash to IU fans. I even took a picture of my child because my wife makes me put her in an IU baby, like, night suit. And I put her to sleep, and that's how I did my pick. I'm like, we're putting Indiana to sleep, Michigan State. Right? Like, seeing that game from that point to see how you guys got to a Final Four, like, that deserves to be praised, man. That deserves to be praised. And I was wondering, just the you've been around ESPN for how many years now? Was it 13, eight, thirteen? Thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. Oh, five, five. You've got to see both sides of maybe the media reaction plus the coach-player interaction with Aaron Henry. Mm-hmm. I don't quite remember what your kind of whole take on that was because I heard a lot from everybody else. You, you only the hear the negative with, takes, huh? Right. Yeah. Isn't that funny how we all do that? There's a tendency for us all to focus just on the negative and you don't listen to a lot of the positive. I think one thing I've learned as far as being part of the media is that it's easy to take everybody else and their thoughts into account. You know, but sometimes you don't have time to reflect upon what everybody else is doing, especially if you're Tom Izzo. Like, you know what your character is. You know what you stand for. My take was, and this is me, being from New Jersey, I've had coaches that have given me tough love. The moment you stop yelling at me, I get concerned because now you're checked out. You don't care or psychological and I need to respond some way. Now I'm trying to figure it out. So the fact that if there's standards in life, like, so what? Like, so what? Tom Izzo yelled at him. Like, it doesn't, I can keep going, man. I have no problem. With, I, I was just curious. Sorry. Um, no problem. I have no problem. Tom Izzo yelling at him. Like coach K yelled at me all the time. It got the best out of me. Now, maybe that's not the same for every player, but I don't think Tom addresses every player the same way he did Aaron Herring at that given time. And it takes trust in a relationship to have that connection with your coach and my thing is if I don't see the kid complaining about it even if I did see the kid complaining about it I'm like what's okay you guys are all about to enter the real world you get a job your boss rips you one one time my boss rips me you gonna go on social media and cry that your boss is ripping you like what are you gonna do like it's real world scenarios too and I understand that social media now becomes this place where everybody wants to tap into it and say, you should never yell at the kids there's different way to motivate kids yeah but sometimes you just gotta do what you gotta do I'm and I, not to give my last thing, not to give war analogies, because it does not compare to the people that want to sparse, you know, this conversation to that point. But Coach K will give these analogies. If we're in the trenches, man, and we're battling, do you think I have time to think about how I need to be sensitive with my remarks towards you? No. I'm trying to win this damn game. Like, I'm trying to get you out of, like, even Coach uh, Mulkey said the other day when their best player for Baylor went down, the big girl, she hurt her knee. Yeah. You know, they interviewed her during the game. She's like, I feel horrible, but right now we're trying to win this game. You have to be able to compartmentalize stuff like that. 
And I think that was a prime example of how sports sometimes can be blown out of proportion because people don't understand their relationship. And at the end of the day, our relationship with watching that doesn't matter. Their relationship and how they deal with it internally is the only thing that matters. Yeah, I think you said that exactly right. Yeah. Third person trying to comment on something that we're not involved in. Exactly. I, I think you hit that perfectly. And so finally, I want to got to talk the championship game. Yeah. Texas Tech, that defense is legit. Multiple guys who are a problem, not only with Jared Culver, but Matt Mooney shows up as well. How much do you like this team? And I'm, I'm going to put Joey out here. I'm going to give him some credit because he did say whoever won that MSU-Texas Tech game is going to be the champion. He, he hmm. said that he's going with it. And I want to ask you, do you feel the same way? Because that Texas Tech defense is a different animal. You know, UVA's defense is it's the pack line. So they send you towards the middle, which is mm-hmm. unorthodox. Yeah. Which a lot of people don't understand, like, you know, regular basketball commonality talk is that you never want to allow the ball to go to the middle. It's the weakest point of the defense, whereas UVA actually funnels you towards the middle because that's where their help is. So UVA giving up a baseline drive is a really bad thing because they want to send you middle, whereas Texas Tech, their defense is they deny passing lanes. They switch everything. They keep you on the side of the floor. Prime example, we talked about downing a screen with Cassius Winston, mm-hmm. but their defense is way more physical. It's aggressive. I call it New Jersey, like, in-your-pocket defense. I don't know if you've ever played defense against somebody that's constantly in your armpit. Like, yo, what, did you put on Dove? What kind of, what kind of deodorant did you put on? Like, it's uncomfortable. It's my brand defense. Yes. Whereas UVA, <laughs> they play a little bit more off you. They give you more room. They allow you to shoot jump shots. So I, I would give the edge defensively at Texas Tech, and I also will give this last edge at Texas Tech. Winning games, which is the, one of the reasons why you guys struggle to win the game. If the game, if, if both teams are evenly matched, and the game comes down to the wire, how many people can you put the ball in the hands of and say, go get me a bucket? You need to have somebody like that. UVA, Kyle Guy's more of a guy that comes off actions, pin downs, curls. Mm-hmm. He's like a Rip Hamilton old school you know, um, analogy for people. Kihei Clark's a freshman. DeAndre Hunter is very talented, lottery pick. But, like, he's not dancing with the ball going yeah. to get it. He has to operate within the pinch post or, like, mm-hmm. you know, mid-range game. The one guy is Ty Jerome. But Ty Jerome isn't isn't fast. He saw that in that Auburn game where he tried to put the ball behind. It's not his, it's not his forte. He's good at it. It's not what he's great at. And then I look at Texas Tech. I'm like, okay, like Matt Mooney can go get you some. Jared Culver can go get you some. Moretti can kind of get you some because you have to play off those other guys. So I, I think when it comes down to the stretch, I think the plethora of weapons that Texas Tech has as opposed to UVA will be the difference maker in the wire. Okay, that's who you're rolling with, Texas That's what I'm rolling with, guns up, man. Guns okay. down overall, Yeah, <laughs> but guns up for the game. You know what I mean. <laughs> there we go. And, all right, we gotta, I got to ask you because we've been Joey is not going to get a question? Joey doesn't get Joey, a question? Joey, you want to ask him? I have nowhere to go, guys. I'm good. I was just – I just want to touch on something with Virginia. Obviously, we see the, you know, the upset last year. It was crazy. But now Tony Bennett in Virginia getting back to the title game. I mean, what does that say about Bennett and the program for them just able to – shake that off and, and find themselves 40 minutes now from a title? Well, I would, I would very much disagree with you. You never shake it off. So I think one of the beautiful he things. about it. Yes. Oh, yeah. And he, he's still the first one to address it. So I gave an analogy today on Outside the Lines. It reminds me, I'm going to show everybody, you guys here, I have this gnarly scar on my leg, oh, okay? Yeah. It goes all the way up here. You guys can't see it, but it goes from like middle of my calf all the way up to my middle thigh. And it's a long scar. I got over 150 staples in my left leg from my accident. 
And it's the best damn gift I can ever ask for because every morning when I wake up, I can automatically tell you if it's cold or hot outside. Like I get achy and I have to look at it, right? But each and every day I look at my scar, it makes me so appreciative of the fact that I'm here. Like I'm here. So I'm going to be damned if I don't get the best out of my day with everything I do. I'm going to do it to the best degree. So I equate that to the gift that UVA has been given. Like, you know, it, it serves as the best motivator. Everybody needs a why every single day to be the best version of themselves. Right? Why are you doing something? I do it because of my child. I do it because of my wife. I do it because of my parents, myself. I want to better make myself. Like, and I, I think that's their why, which is the reason why people are like, oh, they have to get over it. Why do you get to stop talking about it? Yeah. Like Kyle Guy even said during the Duke UVA game, we we're going to do a game day. And I guess there was rumors out there that the, the, the point guard, I forget his name, the kid from UMBC, was going to fly to the game, right, and be at the game. And Kyle Guy tweeted out, no, please come to the game. I want to see your face. Like, if there's anything that would drive you each and every day in the offseason, it's like the Kobe mentality. Like, so then I asked, like, okay, Nick Ward, like, what's your why? Right. Like, what's your, what's going to get you as soon as you lose? Like, I remember we lost my freshman year. I was in the gym the next night, man. Mm -hmm. The next night, like, is Nick Ward in the gym today? Is he? No, this is this is a valid question. I don't know. Yeah, it's like it's cash in the gym today. Are they taking time off? Like you need a little bit of that mentality. I can tell mm-hmm. you that Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome were in the gym the next day afterwards. They were in the gym the whole off season. Yeah, like they thought about it. And Kyle Guy dealt with death threats from UVA fans and anxiety and dealing with it. So the fact that kid can go up to the free throw line and make three free throws, regardless of whether it was a controversial call or not. Did you like that? Foul? Like yo, I'm like hanging there. That's, those are that's. <laughs> That takes balls right there, man. Yeah. That takes a little – you have moxie to do that. So, look, man, I, I commend them for it, and, and they keep embracing it. I, I don't think they're going to win, but if they win, like, I'll be so happy yeah. for them. I mean, that, that's never happened before. Nope. Number one seed, they lose to a 16 seed, and then that same number one seed the next year wins a championship. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what else never happened. Can you tell me who the teams are from the Big 12 that have won a championship? Kansas. Okay, so you're ready for this. In 113 years, from the Big Eight, Big Eight, which Kansas was in before yeah. they were in the Big 12, to the Big 12, there's only been one team to win a title from both those leagues. That's Kansas three times. So as much as we say the Big 12 is the best conference in America, right. they have one title winner. So if Texas, who would have thought Texas Tech may be the second team in 113 years out of the Big Eight and the Big Twelve to win a title. Wow, that's a mic drop. That is. That is. It's a mic drop. Uh, I think Joey hit on it, and uh, we got to talk about it because we've been fighting back and forth. That. Uh, so first, I want to start with the double dribble. Did, did you, yes, you double did, dribble. I was yelling at the TV. Double so dribble. You, that's one a ref can't miss. Uh, the ref was right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be a ref apologist. If you're right there, it's your job to. And look, I understand things are difficult in real time. But you're also getting paid to judge things that are going to be difficult in real time. And I hear a lot of fans say, well, you know, who really knew it was a double dribble? I'm like, if you've been playing basketball, you know. you know, if you lose the ball, you cannot just go pick the ball back up with two hands and then go dribble again. You have to take the ball with one hand and bounce it and then go. So, yes, a double dribble. All right. And then the bigger controversial one in the corner, that foul. Griffin and I are under the belief well, we're not calling that foul. Okay. Joey and Kyle are firmly and we we agree it's a foul, but we say you can't call it. They say it's a foul, it's a foul, you gotta call it. He goes to the line. Phyllis said you had to call it. 
Well, first off, Billis is not God. Let's call it out. <laughs> just because Billis says it means it's right. I know he says everything from a legal perspective and authoritatively. It doesn't mean it's always right. Um, but I would agree with JB on that. I, it's, if you jump on an angle mm-hmm. towards a defender, any kind of brush because of the angle of the trajectory you took, you're putting yourself in harm's way to have a foul called. Now, look, Kyle Guy didn't kick his leg out as much as Carson Edwards did in that game, right? But the fact that he hit him with the lower body, you have to contest that shot differently if you're Dowdy. You can't do it that way. Now, the bigger conversation is about are you – because this blew up. I heard Dickie V and I got into an argument with this on SportsCenter. Oh, yep, you should be able to review the last minute of a game. I'm like, okay, if you want to open up Pandora's box to you reviewing that play – if you watch that play, before he had the double dribble, his jersey was actually held by, Brian, by Bryce Brown, which should have been a foul. The play literally right before that, where they were inbounding the ball, where Kyle Guy almost got his hand on the ball, when Bryce Brown came down, he moved his pivot foot. He walked. So then if you see all that in the last minute of the game, are you going back? Are you changing those calls too? Like, so then all of a sudden it's like, all right, that was a walk, UVA's ball. Then, then it's all subjective because you don't even know if UVA has a chance to have the ball when before the foul is even called. So you can't even put into judgment the foul. So it just it, I, we have too many replays as it is anyway. I think the NFL made a huge mistake. They missed the call. You got to get that call right, but you open up Pandora's box. The last thing we don't, as a fan, I, I don't want to wait 45 minutes, man. I can't, I can't do it. Like I have, I have a hard time waiting five minutes on my phone. Mm-hmm. Hence why certain coaches in the NFL are giving their players, you know, 20-minute phone breaks, right? Like, <laughs> look, I'm just saying it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's reflective of the times we live in right now. Else? All right. All right. All right. More questions? No. Griffin? I guess I can agree with that. Yeah. I, guess, I guess I can maybe blow the whistle on that one. <laughs> but, but I wouldn't be mad at somebody if they didn't blow the whistle either. No. I, I, I think one of the things that we're missing now, and I'd be curious to get you got your opinions on this real quick. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 37, and I'm older, obviously. But we played pickup when I was in the league. We would play games till 11. We'd play like five or six games where there were no fouls called. You could not call a foul. Didn't matter mm-hmm. if you got mobbed, if you got bowed in the face. You had to, pl- <laughs> you had to play through stuff. And what I see now is kids, like, you get hit on a pinky. Like, if you're playing pickup, you get hit on a pinky, fin- like pinky finger. Oh, it's a foul. Yeah. And I see, like, I don't know if it's because of the way guys complain in the league after call. Like, I see LeBron do it a lot. Like, I see other guys do it. Like, and I think that kind of makes kids less tough. Like, so if I really wanted to, I wouldn't blow my whistle. Like, you know, like, hey, contact is part of the game. I was always taught that hand is part of the ball. Yeah. No, I mean, you, in pickup, you hit a really good spot there. Because I play pickup quite often, actually. And uh, there are so many people that every time you hit someone, it is a foul. And I, I grew up, you know, with me and my buddies. We were literally, it, there was no such thing as a free layup. Like, you would yeah. smack the crap out of them to yeah. make sure that they couldn't get it. Um, so it is, it, it is interesting, especially with the pickup rule. For some reason, at, at some point in the generation, I mean, literally, if you smack someone on the hand during, like, a layup like that, it's an immediate foul and everything like that. And I'm just like... It stops the game. It stops the momentum. I mean, in pickup, it doesn't make any sense. Bro, I would have times where we were playing in college or the league that I would get bowed and I would get and ones. And people were like, yo, how'd you do that? I'm like, I didn't really get hit. The guy barely tapped me. 
Like, if you're going to foul somebody, if you're going up for a layup, I'm going to foul the hell out of you. Like, you're going to come back and you're going to have slices on your arm or you're, there's going to be a bruise on your arm or you're not going to be able to get the ball above your waist. And I don't even think kids foul like that anymore. You watch kids, kids are like, it's like quick hands. Like, ah, eh, like real quick. I'm like, what is that? Just foul that out of them. Like, foul. If you're going to foul. Funny story, actually, about that. So I'm playing pickup. I'm in the Breslin. And I'm defending this guy, and I guess I get my hand on his back or something, and he starts screaming for a foul. And it's just little things like that. I don't understand where people have picked that up to where everything becomes a foul. And I almost threw down with the guy. Straight up. I was like, yo, this is – I didn't foul you. And he started, he started talking back and forth, you know. Got hot. But either way, that's just a, a story that of this generation where everything wants to be called a foul. And it, is, it doesn't make sense. And, yeah, I, everyone, like when you shoot the little air ball in the trash can, they're like, it won. Like, no, yeah. one, no one touched you. You yeah, missed nobody, the shot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I got to derail for one last thing, though. But sure, yeah. Doughty handled that like a champ after the game. He did. Like, you don't see that anymore. Is that, that's a program thing, though, isn't it? I mean, even with Bruce Pearl, he's only been around there for, what, five, six years now? Not even. I saw Bruce Pearl on Get Up the other day. I think maybe it was this morning where he was like, he, I like people who don't make excuses. You know, and when I was younger, I used to make excuses. And, uh, you know, as you get older, you're like, the more you own it, the more it's empowering. And I think Bruce Pearl said this morning, he was like, you know what? Like, people can sit there and complain about the cause. Like, you know, basketball, sometimes the basketball gods bounce the ball your way. Sometimes they don't. And we just had to be better. And if that's the one takeaway you have from that game, you know, regardless of whatever, they're going through a lot too now. Talk about that with the FBI investigation, and then Chuck Persons, the best all-time player from Auburn, you know, potentially going to jail, and them dealing with that. That's a whole other conversation uh, about the state of the game and uh, what the NCAA needs to do in order to change, you know, their 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 face and their feelings on that. Because I think the game is going to be in a in a, in a challenging place uh, moving forward, especially with the one and done rule being changed in 2022. Um, but I, I give him a lot of credit. Like he. If, if all goes right, he will be there for a long time because that, that's a culture-building statement when it's easy for people to complain about what just happened. But, like, the way his team has handled that whole thing, Bryce Brown and, and Jarrett Harper, and Dott, like, those, those are signs of players that in a program that's going to be around for a while. Awesome. I think that's a good place to end it. Jay, I want to really thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us, taking the time. All good, man. On the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time to call <laughs> that Saturday morning. Really appreciate it, and um, it's, it was a great conversation. You just felt like doing it. You know, man. Like I, it's really funny. I do TV, but I am no different than you guys. I'm no different than anybody. I I, I like to go to a bar and wear jeans and watch hoops. Um, so. Sometimes I think when you when you do TV, it kind of can make you unrelatable. Like it's kind of like as an athlete, right? As an athlete, I'm sorry for the long winded answer in this one, but it's personal to me. Like as an athlete, sometimes you lived in a warped reality. Right? Like everything is done for you all the time, and um, you know you have a lot of access to money and a lot of nice things, and you, you lose touch with just everyday hardworking people. Like like I said to you before, like I get paid to watch sports. Like my job is not hard. Like and I appreciate sometimes being able to help other people just get away from their job for one second by talking hoops. Like, that's what sports still does for me. I get away from my everyday grind. You know, it did that for me as a kid. That's why I loved it. That's why you know, I'm very fortunate to have a job in it. So to be able just to call people and spend an hour and a half, two hours of my day talking to random fans about their teams or talking to them about, sure, I talked to a kid the other day that literally, you know, went through a life-changing event. He had a life-changing accident, a car accident. Lost to another a woman who lost her child, and her kid loved basketball, and that's, she loves Auburn basketball. So you get a chance to find out about who these people are too, man. And 
look, I think we live in a time now where we all, we, and we have a tendency to do this, we, um, we find out what we don't have in connection instead of what connects us all. So if I could take out two hours of my day, I'm doing it again today, like to find different connection points between people, damn right. Because that's what it's about, helping each other out. For sure. Boom. Well, thank you. Fair warning, I'm going to be relentless in the DMs from here on out. So. <laughs> hey, well, we, we, chances are we'll probably do another game day from, uh, from Michigan State next year. So maybe I'll bring on the rest of the crew too. I'm there. I'm there. All you, right. you got you guys going to come back well, since you guys are seniors. They'll come, yeah, they'll you come guys, back. You guys will be in the real world by then, <laughs> yeah? Okay. Well, thank you. Thanks, man.